Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. Oh, it's a cold open here from Hank. We, in this episode, decided that we were going to make a thing and sell it at DFTBA.com. It turns out that that thing is actually pretty difficult to make well, and we want to make sure that we do it well if we do it. Now, we said that it's on sale. It's not on sale, uh, but a lot of people wanted it and have been in touch with us in various ways, disappointed to hear that they cannot acquire it. That is, we're very flattered that you like John's dumb idea so much, but we did not want to rush it. Uh, so it is not it is not on sale. I repeat, I apologize. It is not on sale. All right. Enjoy this episode of Dear Hank and John. I can't believe I had to record this. <laughs> Welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, you know, I really feel like I know what's going to happen in the year 2020. I just, I see it so clearly. This is going to be some kind of 2020 pun. That's it. That was it. I did the, it was, that was it. Oh, that's the, that's the joke. That's the joke. That's the joke. That's good. Yeah. I can see it very clearly as well. Actually in real life, I, I don't know that there's anything I'm less <laughs> sure about than how 2020 <laughs> is going to go. Yeah, no, I, I don't see it clearly at all. I, I'm very confused. I feel like I know nothing and neither does anyone else. No, but that's not stopping everybody from having opinions. You can't like say stuff if you don't have strong opinions, John. And the uh, same stuff is where it's all at. So, Hank, you know, one thing I do know Mm. here at the very beginning of 2020 is that we are now officially only eight years away from renaming this podcast Dear John and Hank when we don't get a human to Mars in the next eight years. Eight years is such a long time. If there's anything that celebrating this decade changeover did for me, it was realizing how long a time 10 years is. It is. And eight years is almost 10 years. And it so is. who we could be on Jupiter in 2028, John. Things change fast. Is there any way that we can add a financial component to our bet so that we don't just change the name of the podcast, but also you ship a large amount of money to my house? What if 
So I bet that by the year 3010, uh-huh. we'll have we'll be on Jupiter. That's 3010. So you're saying in 990 years, humans will be on Jupiter. Yeah. That what what makes that so wildly optimistic mm-hmm. is the notion that there will be humans oh, we're in 990 fine. years. We're fine. We're doing fine, John. Every I was going to say everything is fine, but I can't. I take that back. I was then I was going to say everything is going to be fine, and here's what I'm going to say instead. <laughs> we are here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our first question comes from Hannah, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I sold some of my art for the first time and I made some money, $23 to be exact. What should I do with it? I have a job and everything, and there's not really anything I need, but I feel like my art money should go to good use and not like just get used to buy gas or something. Pumpkins and penguins, <laughs> Hannah. Well, first, gas is an important use for when you need to get to places. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. But second, you could be, let's, I'm just going to go like way wild here and say you could start a retirement account. You could. That's not a good idea, though. Because <laughs> you're because you're young and that, that money is going to appreciate so much. Every $23 you, you put into your retirement account now is going to be like $60 when you retire. It'll be closer to like $100 when you retire. That's wild. Yeah. You got to start saving now. It's the magic of compound interest. Look, if we're talking about is it important to contribute to your IRA or your 401k or whatever when you're young, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. But we're not. We're talking about $23 that Hannah made selling. <laughs> I don't even know what kind of art. Hannah, it was too nonspecific. You got to get better at marketing yourself. I need to, I need to read like I made $23 selling my life-size sculpture of Liverpool midfielder Jeannie Wijnaldum. I need <laughs> I, I, I need some specificity. Oh, man. that's a razor-thin margin on that life-sized man. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, she, she I... sold it for $10,023, and she cleared $23 in profit because it right. is not cheap to find the Absolutely bronze not. to sculpt Jeannie Wijnaldum's extraordinary, <laughs> truly extraordinary calves. Right. Well, if, so here's here's the you, you got to buy some art supplies. Obviously, there's a there's a future here. There's a business. Exactly. You're doing it. You got to get more. You got to buy more stuff to make more stuff. Exactly. Because if there's anything that I I, I know about uh, making art is that uh, you completely forget how much you paid for the art supplies when calculating how much to sell your art for. Uh, so you need to buy you need to buy more art supplies so that you can continue making stuff that you like. Uh, yeah, I think you invest in your art. If you like making stuff, mm-hmm. get the stuff that you need to make stuff. On the other hand, some people, you know, maybe it's not a, maybe it's, we don't know what kind of art Hannah makes, but I don't, I Hank, don't. I just want to go on a quick tangent because it occurred to me that one of the sculptures I most want to see in the world and I haven't seen are just bronze casts of the calves of all Liverpool players. Oh my God. So like, I just want to see a collection of their calves in bronze. You know, why can't we just expand it out? I want to, like, what if, this isn't about an art project, but I think that it should be a selection of calves. And that should be what the, tar- the piece is titled. That's a, it should that's... be called a selection of calves, and it should just be calves from all over the world, all walks of life, if you will. No, that doesn't make any sense. Because all calves are beautiful. Oh, yeah. No, all calves are great, but the calves that are fueling the world's greatest football team are very specific mm. calves. 
And those are the ones I want to see in bronze. I feel like I have nice calves. Hannah, you're welcome for the idea. I give it to you for free. I look <laughs> forward. I will pay whatever it costs you to make them plus $23. You know, John, I had a good idea during our Christmas break. I, I was playing with Orin and, and I had an idea for a toy. Yeah. And you know what I did? What? I found a toy designer on LinkedIn and I was like, here's this idea I had for a toy. I do not want it in my head anymore. You can have it if you want it. And and that's that's what I did. That was and he wrote back and he was like, that's a pretty good idea. We're actually working on something similar. And I was like, boom, you did glorious. it. Glorious. I am not in that, I am not in that business. I love giving away ideas. That said, <sighs> as you know, Hank, mm -hmm. in the last 24 hours, I have had I do know. really for the first time, I know, my first million dollar idea. And it's not the calves. It's not it's a separate no. million dollars. In idea. fact, the more I think about that, the less I think it's a good idea. Not least because how are you going to get all of Liverpool's players to, you know, like let you measure their calves? <laughs> it's just going to be a weird conversation. <laughs> so no, he's not going to measure them. You got to cast them. Yeah, so, yeah. I just I don't think it's going to be perfect. Forget forget that 3D scans. Forget that million dollar <laughs> idea. I have a proper million dollar idea. Okay. It's so good that I I I'm I can't like share it. Because I'm worried I'm going to share it. I'm going to share it and we're going to put it up for pre-order. Oh. And maybe no one will buy it. But I think this is my first million dollar idea, Hank. You know, I have a podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, where I review different facets mm -hmm. of the human-centered planet on a five-star scale. I remember, yes. It's very popular. Ryan Reynolds likes it. He does. <laughs> or I, 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 I heard that he tweeted about it. That is very nice of him. I'm very grateful to anyone who likes it. Anyway, I want to make Anthropocene Reviewed merch. And my idea for merch, Hank, is that I want to make a shower curtain that is my review of shower curtains. Like <laughs> on the shower curtain is printed my review of shower curtains. And that is the only place in the world you can read my review of shower curtains. Maybe this is a new, like, you know, books have been around for a long time, but there hasn't been a lot of innovation in sort of a book <laughs> format. You know, we got newspapers, which are sort of like big foldy things yeah. and magazines, which are floppy books. But what if uh, instead of a book, you just had one big sheet of plastic and that was, yeah, I like it. And, and then like you have to have like a separate room to like lay your books down. I want this to be a high <laughs> quality shower curtain. Hank, can you get me a, like a pretty good shower curtain? I don't, uh, you know, I bet yes, but I, I have not done enough research. I know a lot about merchandising, John, but I've never made a shower curtain. But I know people who have made shower curtains, so I can reach out to them and ask. Do you think this is a million-dollar idea? Uh, no, but I, I think it's a perfectly good way to raise money for charity. If you want my shower curtain that is a review of shower curtains, you can go to dftba.com. It's going to be... <laughs> I don't know oh, if it's going to be available for pre-order. You're just going to have to sign your name <laughs> saying you'll buy a $35 shower curtain. That's a review of shower curtains. But yeah, we'll see how big the market is. Right. That is that that is important. You know, I I bet I bet the minimum order isn't that much for shower curtains. Curtains. Now that's an idea. Shower curtains. All right. I'm 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 going to stop. But I think that this is an infinitely scalable idea because what about a coffee mug? That's just my review of coffee mugs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what about a candle? It's just your review of candles. And then as, as it burns away, my review of candles ceases to exist. All right. This, we're, we, we've gone we've gone too far. Congratulations, Hannah. Hannah, if you want to design a shower curtain for us, email us. <laughs> so we're getting into the shower curtain business, Hannah, and we're getting into it in a big way.
This next question comes from Emily, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I almost missed my flight this morning. I didn't, thank goodness. But I realized I have no idea what to do if I miss a flight. Flights and fear, Emily. John, I feel like you have experience with this. I, I do too, and I always feel a little bit like I don't know what to do. Yeah, I feel like I've been naughty. Even if it's not my fault, I always feel like, oh, they're mad at me, but they're not. <laughs> no, they're they're not. just trying to get yeah. through the day like everybody else. So there's two things you do. Basically, you either like stand in line at the counter or at some customer service line, or you, you make a phone call and mm-hmm. you get booked onto a different flight. Yeah. And a lot of times, if it's not your fault, they'll get you a hotel room or whatever. It's not always the best hotel room. One of my all-time favorite Zay Frank videos is the one where uh, Delta yeah. put him in a room with a stranger yeah. where he like had to share a room uh, with with double beds with a person he'd never met before. <laughs> <laughs> it's still so funny. It feels that feels so like 1960. Like they, uh, yeah, they I, couldn't do that. I feel like do they, they can't. They, surely they don't do it anymore. But yeah, um, I've definitely been in some. I would say that my five worst hotel experiences of the 21st century have all been hotels chosen for me by airlines. Yeah. But it is a really good point that if the line is very long, you might be able to call or go on the app and rebook yourself without having to talk to a person. And that can speed things along and also increase your chances of getting a good flight. But get in that line right away before you start doing that. Right. Because that line might grow very fast. Oh, uh, the whole thing is very it, it is definitely stressful. It's yeah. I mean, travel is always comes with its complications, as Hank and I are about to find out since we're uh, going on tour this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that will have already happened, I believe, when this episode comes out. We are masters of marketing. (laughs) (laughs) If you wanted to see us. Our tour already (laughs) happened and our shower curtain is not yet available. (laughs) If you wanted to see us in Atlanta uh, or Raleigh or St. Pete, I'm so sorry. That we didn't that's in the you. past now. You need to pay more attention. Oh, enjoy yeah. the uh, podcast live shows that are going to be coming to your ears in the next few weeks. But yeah, you can come to the live show that will be distributed via the podcast app. All right, Hank, we have a, another question. It's from Pierce, and it is related to uh, your earlier point that humans are just a couple years away from hitting the surface of Jupiter. Pierce writes, <laughs> Dear John and Hank, Hank has mentioned before that we aren't 100% sure what the core of gas giants look like, and I believe he has Mm -hmm. said that we think that they're solid like ours. If that's the case, aren't gas giants just little, normal, solid plants with a really tall and thick atmosphere? Like, (laughs) what's the difference? How tall does an atmosphere have to be for its planet to be considered a gas giant? What a great question. Yeah, I mean, there's also... Uh, we, we have kind of two different types of gas giants in our solar system, but that is not the totality of what gas giants can be. There are lots of other kinds of gas giants in the universe that we are now get to know about because of our exoplanet research. But yes, there is a solid core to gas giants. And there's two ways that that solid core happens. There's kind of two solid cores of gas giants. One of, of you know, Saturn and Jupiter. There's so much gas that it actually compresses the gas so that there is a core of metallic hydrogen. Whoa. So it's hydrogen that has been squeezed so hard. And we're we're pretty sure about this. Now we've not been down there and we won't get down there in our lifetimes and probably never because it's just like not a good place to be. 
But there is that. And then they think also inside of the metallic core, there is a solid core and it's extremely squished. So it's like it's 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 unrecognizable as what we would think of as rock, but it's made of heavier elements like iron and stuff. Whereas that is not the case for Neptune and Uranus. Those have sort of different compositions. They're kind of different. They're kind of a different class of gas giant. Basically, in terms of planets, we don't have an atmosphere. We are a rock. And the atmosphere of Earth is so paper thin that like it's basically negligible. Same with Mars, same with Mercury. Same with uh, same even with Venus, which has a very thick atmosphere, but it's just like it's nothing compared to the atmosphere of a gas giant. So gas giant is, is a somewhat of a misnomer because it is not just gas. They were named gas giants back in the day and we've sort of stuck with it and it works, especially because they are majority gas, which is certainly not the case for for us. If I were in a college grunge band, mm-hmm. I would definitely call that band metallic hydrogen. And do you know why I would call it Metallic Hydrogen? No. It's because anytime somebody asked, why is your band named Metallic Hydrogen? I could respond, because it's not something you would recognize as rock. (laughs) (laughs) So Hank is having some kind of problem with his phone and his Bluetooth headphones aren't working. So we may we may lose Hank, and this may be a John only podcast. <laughs> My dream's finally coming true. Yeah, I have a wired I have wired headphones, yeah. but I got a new phone, and I have a dongle that's you know headphone jack to USB C. Right. And I plug it when I plug it in, it just hangs up on John immediately. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, I'll use my Bluetooth headphones, but they're running out of batteries now. I can, they just beeped in my ears just now. And like, like this is a, it's a, it's a headphone to USB-C dongle. Why doesn't it work with my new phone? Well, the whole emergence of the dongle oh, God. in the 21st century is one of, to me, one of the great surprises. Oh. If you'd shown me a laptop computer from 1999, mm-hmm. And you'd said to me, like, everything about this computer is going to be better in 20 years. It's going to be faster. It's going to be sleeker. It's going to be lighter. It's going to have more memory. The battery is going to last longer. Just one thing. (laughs) You've got to carry dongles with you everywhere you go all the time. And and then, like, 1990 itself is like, did you just say dongle? I'm sorry. Is Is that a word? Like, did you? Who? I mean, I know all words are made up, but that one's definitely made up, right? Right, right. So they could have come up with any word since this was a new (laughs) idea, right? And the word they chose out of all the words that were available is dongle. Mm. (laughs) But but the most, to be clear, that's the best thing about dongles. The dumb name is the best part. Uh, By far. Because, I mean, it's... Like, what is the difference between this USB-C and that USB-C? Obviously something. <laughs> almost every Tuesday. I have to get a new freaking dongle. Almost every Tuesday when I have to find a <sighs> dongle to get the footage that I have filmed into my computer to edit a Vlogbrothers video. Yeah. At some point, I have to call my spouse and I have to say, I am, as I am every Tuesday, a 42-year-old man looking for a dongle. <laughs> 
Do you have any idea where the dongle might be? I'm just a man who's lost his dongle. I, I seriously, like, it It might be the experience I have the most often that isn't, like, going to the bathroom or brushing my teeth. Like, losing that particular <laughs> dongle happens every single... In fact, right now, I have no idea where it is because yeah. I haven't made a video in two weeks. And I'm going to spend half of tomorrow finding a dongle. Yeah, no, John, I... I I I refuse to buy a, a new computer that does not have a port that an SD card goes into because I know I will ruin it. I will lose. I will be so unhappy yeah. in that moment. I'm traveling and I didn't bring my dongle and I have to like freaking freak out about not having it and not being able to edit my video. I'm so glad this has become the dongle spectacular because that is what I have been thinking about the most over the last six months. I'm sorry, John, I can't hear what you're saying anymore. My headphones <laughs> Um So I don't know what to do now. Talk to you in a minute. I'll be right back. Talk to you in a minute. I assume you're still there. All right. Oh, it's happening. I am the host of, oh, geez, now I'm the host of Dear Hank and John. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can handle this stress all by myself. I'll do the sponsors. Let's just do the sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by uh, my sh- my shower my shower curtain idea. If if you want a shower curtain that reviews shower curtains, go to dftva.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by sharing a hotel room with a stranger on the dime of an airline. I hope that that has stopped being a phenomenon. Uh, and of course, today's podcast is brought to you by my college goth band, M- Metallic Hydrogen. You wouldn't even recognize us as rock. And our podcast, as always, is brought to you by dongles. Dongles. I miss, What a disaster. I miss the ports I used to have. So I'm sorry if I've hurt any feelings of people who work on designing these computers. You're still going, huh? I kept going. I did the sponsors, Hank. I did it all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Did one of the was one of the sponsors the emergence of the dongle? It was. Yeah. I talked about oh, that. Oh god, I loved that phrase so much. The emergence of the dongle is also a pretty good name for a college <laughs> grunge band. Maybe the emergence of the dongle is like the f- This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Trobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different. And 
more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order, plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. First album by Metallic Hydrogen. Right. Okay, Hank, I really want to ask this question from Ivy. I just found it fascinating. I I don't know if you know the answer. I don't know the answer, but this is the question. Dear John and Hank, in a recent episode of the pod, Hank mentioned that hamsters run on wheels because their brains release endorphins because it's good for their health. If that's true, why do I do so many things that are bad for my health? Why do I stay up for hours at night watching YouTube instead of sleeping? Mm. Why does my brain release endorphins for things that are bad Mm. for my body? Climbing up a wall, Ivy. Well, they used to not be bad for your body, probably, or they used to at least not be bad for your overall uh, success as a person on average over the course of a life. And and obviously those things have changed a lot. I mean, the, the, the quintessential example of this is like we love the taste of salt and fat and sugar. They're very important to our success and to our health. It's really important to take in calories. If you don't, you die. But in, in nature, it was, you know, it's th- those things were always things that were limited, especially when it comes to like sugar. There's no natural equivalent of Coca-Cola out there. You know, you can get pretty close with some fruit juices, but even fruit juice, you're going to have to do a lot of work on back in the day before you get access to it. And, and you know, but just like pure sugar water isn't really around. Um, and if it is, it isn't around all year. So we go after the things that, you know, we would have been extremely lucky to encounter in the world. But now all of the systems that we have for for living the life that we evolved inside of are not for the life that we are currently inside of. Now, that isn't to say that uh, that that like this is inevitable doom or anything, because it turns out one of the things that humans evolved and that is sort of like exceptional about us is being able to exist in a huge variety of circumstances. So we're really good at eating a broad variety of things. We're also just really good at existing in a broad variety of circumstances. That's kind of our one of our superpowers. And I think one of the ways that that manifests itself is, is sort of the ability to to break habit and to control how we behave and control our cravings, control how we are being sort of satisfied. And when we realize that we're doing something that is ultimately unhealthy, even if our sort of like subconscious mind is telling us that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. But also when there's a lot of money and investment that goes into (laughs) trying to kind of use the existing neural pathways to exploit them in a way that holds on to attention. Oh, yeah. No, I think we I I, I think sometimes we underestimate like how powerful that stuff is. Like the reason we, we stay on YouTube too late and I do this, too, is because it gives us like a little bit of a dopamine rush or a little bit of a little bit of a feeling of like pleasant distraction and going to sleep seems like super boring. (laughs) And one of the things that humans evolved is like to try to avoid boringness. Mm -hmm. So I I am troubled by the lack of serious consideration of how this stuff is affecting our health. Mm -hmm. We genuinely don't know if it's dangerous because we haven't done nearly enough research into it. 
Well, and the other thing is, that, like, if if this was an experiment that was being designed by scientists, there's no way it would be approved by an ethics board. Like, they, I'd say, nope, like, you can't just do that to a bunch of people. But instead, we're just doing the experiment because it's not science. It's just what's happening. And that's pretty scary. It's a lot about it's a lot of what my next book is about and which is called know. a beautifully and foolish it, endeavor and it comes out on July 7th and it's available for pre-order now that's right how long and, <laughs> i need you john oh, you really do i mean you. it's i don't add a lot of value to this partnership but i do add that value we're living the experiment and it's you know it's it was a really 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 fast shift and a shift that continues to sort of spread across demographics and the rest of the world that, you know, we we do not know the implications of and, and are witnessing it firsthand. And there's going to be a lot of guessing and there's going to be a lot of blaming things on this that pr- it probably isn't responsible for and probably a lot of like not noticing the impacts that it has until, you know, we're a couple of decades out and can look back and really see what what changed for us. So, yeah, it's one of the things that we're definitely wrong about now. I think that podcasts are the thing that I'm least worried about. I am also not too worried about podcasts, but I do think that in 20 years, there's a pretty good chance that we are like really wrong about social media in ways that we currently don't understand. Like, I think in 20 years, the things that I will have been wrong about, I think there will be a bunch of them, obviously. And I don't know how I'm Mm -hmm. going to be wrong but I think I will have been wrong about the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will, I will be so wrong. This next question comes from Callie, John, and I, we got to get to it because Callie writes, Dear Anka John, I recently found out that my grandpa has a bird in his freezer. Now, this is not that unusual. Uh, usually that bird is a chicken, but in this case, it is unusual. It says it's in a container mm-hmm. and it's one of those small birds, like a sparrow. Yeah. He apparently found it when he was in college with the intention of dissecting it or taxidermying it, but he hasn't ever done that. And it's now been in the freezer. I don't know if this is the same freezer. I I feel like it must have moved house at least once for over 40 years. Wow. And it's kind of become a bit of a family legend. My parents said jokingly that we should taxidermy it and give it as a gift to my grandpa for Christmas. My grandma says we should throw that thing away and he will never notice. What should we do with it? Leave it? Toss it? A little birdie couldn't have told me, Callie. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) I love it so much. Um, well, uh, I mean, so here's this thing. You got to have a taxidermy house call because you don't want to take this thing to the taxidermist, have yes. it thaw a little bit and it gets ruined. Right. You got to bring the taxidermist to you and be like, is this still this is a 40 year old bird? Yeah. This is the oldest bird you will have ever seen. You have to have the taxidermist come by and see see what is possible. But if I think that's a great idea. If I you're a taxidermist, like how psyched are you for this call? Right. Yeah. You know, like it's always so boring. It's the same thing over and over again. I shot this thing, turn it into this yeah. or like my dog died, make it live forever. <laughs> but now this is the call you've been waiting for your whole career as a taxidermist mm-hmm. where someone calls you and they're like, listen, yeah. I've had a bird in a freezer for 40 years. And then the taxidermist <laughs> has to be like, oh, I've got a serious challenge. And I have no idea yeah. whether you can taxidermy yeah. a 42-year-old dead sparrow that's been in a freezer for a long time. I would imagine it's going to be hard, both literally and figuratively. 
<laughs> I think like, yeah, no, I, I, in addition to it being frozen, I do think that all of the moisture has left the bird by now. I think there's, I think there's going to be some challenges. Yeah. What I find fascinating is that grandma is like, just throw it out. He won't notice grandma. If that's the case, why haven't you thrown it out? <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta spare when your freezer that's older yeah. than your marriage. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me, Hank. I yeah. recently went out and met with a couple of nerd fighters who are donating to the mm-hmm. our, our project in Sierra Leone, and mm-hmm. they were very nice people, very cool. Loved hanging out with them. They told me they've been married, I think, for like maybe seven or eight years, and they were talking about their turtles. And I said, "When did you get the turtles?" And one of them said, "When I was ten. Oh and my I said, god! Oh, so they're they're long lived turtles, and and then she was like. Yeah, and they will probably live for 50 or 60 years. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you marry into a relationship. Yeah. And you're marrying, you're basically marrying into, like, a lifetime with turtles. <laughs> right? Like, you're yeah. saying, like, I, I want to marry you, and as part of that, I'm going to take care of turtles for the next 40 years. Yeah, that's what love is. I know. Um, I think it's, no, I think it's like cases. a beautiful, perfect metaphor yeah. for for marriage. Yeah. Everybody's got their turtles. Everybody's got their turtles. And sometimes those turtles are a 42 year old (laughs) sparrow in the back of the freezer. I don't think this is taxidermiable, but I, I think that if it is, then not only should you get the taxidermist. Can we slow down? Why do you not think it's that? I mean, are you some expert in taxidermy? Is, do you have a, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to be very brittle, but I know that bird taxidermy is hard anyway. And then I, I think that there will not be any moisture left in the bird for the skin to be pliable. All right. Let me throw out an idea. Okay. You toss the 42-year-old ice sparrow. No. And you taxidermy no, 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 a no, different no. sparrow. And grandpa never knows. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why? No. Because I don't like it. I don't like lying to grandpa. Here's what I think. If the taxidermist comes over, taxidermist comes over and and can't do it, then you bring out your grandfather and you say, Grandfather, we've brought you a taxidermist. And he's looked over your bird and he has some things he'd like to tell you. (laughs) 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 Then and then then you can have a beautiful beautiful ceremony for the bird. I love that. Uh, You let the expert (laughs) deliver the news. That is exactly right. And then you can have a ceremony. Then you have some kind of like I don't know, maybe take it someplace very cold so that the bird never thaws. That's a great idea. You take it. You got to take your grandfather to the North Pole. (laughs) No, South Pole. South Pole, because the North Pole is thawing fast. No, you go to the the Antarctic Pole of Inaccessibility, the the place in in Antarctica that is furthest from land. It's very difficult to get to. Okay. There is a, there is a research station there that's mostly snowed over where there is still, it is believed, it hasn't been visited in a few years, a bust of Vladimir Lenin. Mm. That's how old this research station is. It's the art that is the hardest to get to on earth. And you, you leave the sparrow right there. Or, John, yeah. you know how when people are exploring Antarctica, they have to leave caches for themselves? Like little, yes. like dug into the ground treats? Find one of those and then take out the bag of cheese doodles mm. and say, no, those are mine now. You get a very cold <laughs> sparrow. I mean, that's illegal. It's also like the <laughs> the one of the cruelest things I can imagine. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm much prefer... gonna be like, yeah, Sparrow. Hank, I just had another, I just had another million dollar idea. I'm on fire. It's a new decade. It's a oh, new God. me. I'm a million dollar yeah. idea generator now. I'm the, I'm, uh-huh. I'm the idea brother. <laughs> Things have changed around I'm here. I'm happy to give up my title. It's a dongle. Okay. That's the idea. Why aren't we in the dongle business? It has a huge future. Yeah, clearly this is where the real the real money is. Yeah, it's like like plastics, but but it's for the future. Can we make a dongle that's an everything dongle? <laughs> it's a It's like the Swiss Army knife of dongles. Yeah, the Swiss Army dongle. Where you're like, does it have a saw? Oh, it's got a saw. <laughs> Oh, God. Apparently you can't, though, because this USB-C <laughs> dongle won't work in my USB-C port. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, just making, like, branded dongles the way that, like, they hand out, you know, sw- like, like pens. Right. I love the idea of just a Vlogbrothers dongle store. Vlogbrothers <laughs> dongles. that hurt? And lots of them. I'm now on Amazon trying to buy the correct dongle for me, but I can't tell which one is the right one, John. I like that they sell them in three packs now and that for all of them, the average rating is two stars because 40% of people are like, uh, it didn't work. And I just have. The- yeah, this it turns out this is the wrong dongle. Oh, man. It's the I wrong mean, we- goal. That's our company name. Wrongle.com. Wrong <laughs> We send you the wrong dongle. We promise. <laughs> <laughs> with Amazon, you don't know if you're going to get the wrong you might dongle. Get, you might get the right Definitely. dongle, but not with us. We will not send you the dongle you asked for, but we will send you a dongle. Oh, God. Wrongle.com. I mean, is it available? It is. It's where you can go and get my shower curtain. All right, Hank, we got to try to save this podcast somehow. Before we get to the all-important news from bars at AFC Wimbledon, I need to let you know one email that we received. George wrote in to say, not looking for dubious advice. I just want to tell you that the pod has influenced my life. My fiance and I have decided to spend our anniversary in London and we are booking with Icelandic air so we can do a layover in Iceland and get that hot dog you talked about, John. (laughs) (laughs) George, while you're in London, if you want to make it a true Dear Hank and John experience, you got to go to an AFC Wimbledon game and have that Icelandic hot dog. God, that was a good hot dog i re i would i would crush one of those hot dogs right now i just want a hot dog i'm sorry hank john hank it's been a busy festive period for afc wimbledon as it always is it was a complicated uh period we lost to tranmere rovers one of our uh big relegation rivals that was unfortunate then we inexplicably beat bristol rovers yeah uh then we lost to oxford united which makes sense then we tied south end united right arguably the worst team in league one and if we can't beat them at home it makes me concerned about whether or not we can accrue enough points not to get relegated it was a very frustrating game we went ahead one nil we gave up a penalty in essentially the last minute of the game. Mm. It was a bad foul to give up. Southend converted the penalty. It's a 1-1 tie at the end of the season. Are we going to wish that we had those two points? Very possibly. So now we are just over halfway through AFC Wimbledon's League One season, and it could not be tighter at the bottom of the table. AFC Wimbledon in 19th, The franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes 
in 20th, yeah. only behind us on goal difference. Oh, it looks like it's very possible that one of those two teams is going to get relegated, especially because Tranmere is about to make some money from an FA Cup game. So they're going to have some money to bring in a couple players. And, oh, mm. I, I can't handle that level of drama. It's very, it's stressing me out. That, is, that does seem to be the, the thing that your sports team wants to do to you, John, and I'm sorry about it. But you, the fact that you beat Bristol Rovers and then you couldn't beat Southend United. Yeah, I don't understand what's wrong with you guys. <laughs> it's very, yeah, unpredictable, inconsistent performances. I'm also a little concerned because a couple of our best players, uh, including Marcus Fors, are only technically with us until January. And oh, that's soon. I need them to stay until the end of the season. And I don't know how to like, yeah, I don't know how to communicate that to them. <laughs> so, like write a really nice letter. Yeah. And just be like, hey, uh, please don't leave. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to we, we've got some tough games coming up. We've got some games that we really should have won that we didn't win. And now. Uh, we're going to be playing a, a difficult run of fixtures. We're going to try our best and see where we are at the end of the season. All right. Keep playing sports, John. Thanks. How's Mars? In Mars news, it's 2020, which means that we're going to be talking a lot about the Mars 2020 rover. So a few weeks ago, as part of that, they uh, actually made sure that the rover could rove. And it's going to have a lot to do once it gets to Mars. And it's been equipped with a lot of stuff to have it do a lot of good science and cover a lot of ground. And so far... On Mars, the largest drive was done by the Opportunity rover, which covered 702 feet in a single day. The Mars 2020 rover is designed to treat that record like a normal day with plans for an average of 650 feet of driving each Martian day. And to do that, the rover has more durable wheels. It has fancier cameras. It has an extra computer that uh, Curiosity didn't have. It also has auto navigation software so we don't have to tell it to do every single thing individually. In December, all these different features were put to the test during its first like test drive basically as a 10-hour period where the rover like maneuvers over some ramps and like did like 3 feet at a time and it demonstrated that it could move its own weight around, engage in some auto navigation and it achieved its first major milestone for the mission. So success, John. That's great. That's, it can do all the things that it needs to do. Yeah, I mean, this is this. It's so good that Curiosity has had such a long and successful mission. But man, do I really want Mars twenty twenty rover to be there uh, and to to get there safe. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's such a high stakes game. It is, <laughs> and there is as as we've seen with the little drill, like it's real hard to fix it once you get there. <laughs> yeah. Follow up really question, Hank: Is there any way they're gonna? Sneak a little person inside that Mars 2020 rover? Or probably not. Ah, uh, seems unlikely. Seems unlikely, yeah. There's some rules against that. And every day, the future gets brighter for the renaming of this podcast. <laughs> if there's only one issue that you care about, then you're doing all right. <laughs> I just tried to get Rongle.com. It turns out it is taken. Oh, but uh, but my domain registrar would like me to know that LiveRongle.com is available. <laughs> so, <laughs> for those of us who just like want to have that Rongle experience, you know? 
<laughs> just like my whole life. Hank, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening. We're off to record our brand new Patreon-only podcast over at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. It's called This Week in Worries. And every week, mm. we talk about our worries. We try not to be too serious about it. And we also discuss the etymology of one of the things that we're worried about. Maybe it's going to be dongle. I actually now I'm very curious. Uh, John, yes. this podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals, Rojas, and Sheridan Gibson. Victoria Bongiorno is our head of community and communications. And the music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.